what is the Lord doing now? Things have been so different in missions since 911 and COVID. Mm -hmm. The face of missions have changed. Mm -hmm. You know, getting into these nations now like we used to, the surveillance in China won't allow us to do the things that we did before. And that season of missions and the Great Commission, as I've said, is over. God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out His Spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring, and we equip for that outpouring, so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. We're delighted to have one of our dear, dear friends with us, Dr. Peter Snyder, who has been a missionary in many nations and He's going to talk with us about the things that the Lord has put on his heart where he's been contending and he's been equipping and he's been engaging in the outpouring for many years. Welcome to the podcast today. We're so happy that you are with us. We want to invite you to go to our website, globaloutpouring.net and have a listen to some of these other podcasts that we have done. And you might want to scroll down and listen to episode 75. That's when we had Dr. Peter Snyder with us before talking about uh, his experiences in communist China and in Haiti and the, the uh, things that he has, has noted coming back to the United States and how um, the United States has so completely changed in the last 40 years and, and it, the parallels that he sees in, in communist China and so on. And also, you can see what our events are that are coming up. We want to invite you to come to our convention 2022 in Jasper, Arkansas, July 19th through 22nd. It's going to be a glorious time, and uh, we hope that you can join us either in person or on our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. Um, you, you will find it to be a life-changing event. So we're delighted to have you with us, Peter Snyder. You've been a friend for so many years, and you, you've been a hero to us. We've just uh, so enjoyed every time you've come back to the States and ministered for us and, and the, the things that you've shared with us and, and uh, how you've really been engaging in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in, in your missionary journeys. So um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. Didn't we have fun last night at the Glory Tabernacle? Oh, yes, we did. We did. <laughs> we'll, and we'll put a, uh, a link to that recording on YouTube that, uh, that we made last night on our Friday night live worship. It was powerful. Well, this is like coming home to me because this is the only family that I've known from working, living in China and uh, the other countries, China for 30 years, but coming back here and seeing friends at the conventions and the different things and growing to know people. And uh, after 38 years uh, overseas, uh, you find out that your family changes, they move, they go places. America's changed so much. I mean, when I started out, a Big Mac was 55 cents, and now they're <laughs> over $6. I never saw anything like it. I went, what is this? And the gasoline prices, and I thought, am I gonna be able to still minister in the States? 
And yes, I've been able to, and there's always a raise when it comes with the Lord. He'll make sure you have everything you need to fulfill your ministry. Yes, he's faithful. He sure yeah. is. So, Peter, tell us a little about yourself and what you've been doing in China the last 30 years or so. Well, I started out as a university teacher there because it was the only way we could get in in those days. And we've seen so many changes in China. And I heard about uh, all the people that were coming to the Lord in China. There were droves and droves, supposedly, but I never saw any of it because I was down in the tribal areas in the southwest part. And uh, it wasn't until later that I got up into the north areas when I was training pastors, teachers, um, and the Chinese underground church that I saw what had happened. And I thought, boy, I was never part of this because I was reaching the unreached in China, in the tribal areas down by Laos, Vietnam, Burma, and up by Tibet, just along that border there. But um, when I saw what God had done, I thought, what is my role now? Because we essentially reached all the rest of those unreached areas, me and other missionaries at that time. And I mean some of the last of the places on the face of the earth. But um, what I saw was the need for ministers to go in that underground church and set the captives free from the spirit of religion because they had these pastors had been beaten and they'd been tortured. Their family members had been disappearing. They didn't know what was going to happen. And they were so faithful to the word to, to bring in the gospel truth and to speak life in the Holy Spirit into a place where it's just been nothing but persecution for so long it's what the word means by setting the captives free mm -hmm. and so for the last 18 years no i'm sorry for the last 12 years in china before covid and everything uh, i was training those underground pastors and i'd go throughout china they would take me in a, a tinted van with windows tinted and wear often had to wear a, a ski mask and um, they'd <laughs> take me into a, a room and i would stay there for a whole week and just come out only to teach morning noon and night and then to the next place and then the next place little did i realize that the gospel truth was setting the chinese pastors free yes because it had set me free right i came to a point in my own ministry where i had just you know moving making the motions but uh until i saw everything fall apart in my life work and ministry i was ready to quit and a little old lady came to me and said don't you think you're done now it's just about been about enough now and i thought yeah right i know i shook my <laughs> head i said that's the devil all these promises and the things that i knew god said that i could do even if the chinese government said i couldn't mm -hmm. and he yeah. opened every door and he said you've been broken now you're ready that's right oh, yeah. and that's what we talked about last night the glory tabernacle you know it's uh, that that scripture and uh, hosea says um come let us return to the lord for he has torn us but he will heal us he is stricken but he will bind us up after two days he will revive us and on the third day he will raise us up that we may live in his sight and then down here at the bottom said he will come like the rain like the latter and former rain of the earth combined. But when he fixes us up mm -hmm. and gives us these new opportunities after everything has been broken in our life, including post-COVID, there is one thing that's required of us. 
a leap of faith. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Another one. Mm -hmm. Another and one, yeah. we've taken so many, but this last one is for the whole world mm -hmm. in the Christian church because the greatest things are yet to come. That's for yeah. sure. That's for sure. You told us a story last night about uh, when you were in your early missionary days in Haiti. And what what happened with, you know, how your dad had, had just been anointed by the Lord and began a work that was unprecedented. He was an amazing man. In fact, it had been prophesied that he would be a, a missionary, but he unfortunately died when he was 44. Wow. But uh, I was at Bible school here in Springfield, Missouri, just north of here, and my brother said that um, he... He was dead, so I drove home as fast as I could, 680 miles, and got home only to hear my brother say, Pete, you just won't believe what happened. He was dead, but they brought him back to life. And they did back in the 70s. They used those old contraptions, and they brought him back to life after shooting him with his electricity. And, and uh, you know, when I saw him, he was just glowing in that hospital room. I said, uh -huh. you'll be home soon, Dad. He said, I've already been home. And he <laughs> came home and sold everything we had. He said, isn't that what Jesus said to do? And we had a lot. We were very wealthy. But because of that, we were angry at him, the three boys. And uh, my <laughs> brother said, I want the real inheritance, not that pie in the sky stuff you're talking about. And, you know, he said, if I take care of the Lord's work, he'll take care of my children. And all three of us became missionaries later, too, as we watched him. I was a high school teacher, John Glenn High School in Finley, Ohio, and I saw the great things that were happening with my dad. I was only half a Christian then, but I, anything is better than teaching these high school kids, you know, <laughs> in public schools. And so I started following him, and from all that he'd given the Haitians, they stole most everything away from him till there was nothing left. And he was broken, like Hosea 6 here. That there was, they laughed at him. He said, Look at your, what did you've done? You know, what a fool he is. But from nothing, God raised him up to be one of the greatest missionaries of the 20th century in the Caribbean. I mean, we saw one miracle after another, and he's the only person I've ever known that had the gift of working of miracles. And we now we're not going to have just one ship. We're going to have many. And we did. In fact, we had three of our own ships, and there's a, a missions in motion started. We started working with Pat Robertson and Marilyn Hickey and some of the other outreaches there. And with these ships, we're taking people into the Caribbean, feeding the hun hungry. I mean, Marilyn Hickey herself sent 100,000 what is it, pound? No, maybe it was 100 tons of bulgur on one of our ships. And all the food, we were feeding these kids, and we had warehousing in Florida that the governor gave us, and we had all these wonderful things, schools and clinics. And we had, oh, more than that, we had um, construction teams and programs and tours that came through that area. And I was watching him and seeing the great faith that he had and he had nothing else. He didn't have the money, but that ministry grew so big. And it was uh, really something to see that. And um, it was nice being the boss's son. 
Mm-hmm. Before he um, went into missions, he was the boss of a big construction company, and I was the son. And it was fun being the boss of son. The workers didn't like me; they, you know, said bad things about me. But I was his son, and I learned something about sonship. Mm-hmm. And in Haiti, when I was there, I didn't know anything about administrating schools. But immediately, I'm in charge of 13 schools and 280 teachers, and all the staff that's working there. And I'd go in his office and sit. Down down and prop my feet up on his desk and people would come in and say hey jack what are we going to do the haitians are ripping us off and the missionaries are doing this and this. he pointed over to me and he said here's the boss ask him but they didn't like that and i thought this is pretty cool being the boss's son and i was just talking about that scripture in revelation 321 where it says we will sit in his throne James and John's mother wanted James and John to sit on the right and left. And Jesus said, that's not for me to give. But in Revelation 3.21, say, with him in his throne. And I knew what that meant because I was the boss's son. And we're talking about sonship here. But little did I realize the responsibility that would come with that. (laughs) <laughs> when the Haitian Revolution came. Oh, yeah. And they oh, came yeah. to kill us like they killed the neighbors and surrounded our house. And the angel of the Lord scared them away. And, uh, you know, my brother came after that horrid night with a gun. And I said, you were going to use that thing, were you? And he said, no. They had have killed us all the sooner. But I couldn't leave because we were feeding all those kids every day. Mm-hmm. And if I'd have left, they would have gone without food. And so I was stuck there. And my point is, in all of this, you know, when we have the responsibility of sonship and we see the things we hope to see from all of this and look at it and think, would I have done this had I known what was going to happen? Would I have so willingly said, yeah, I want that place because Jesus goes to prepare a place meant for us Mm -hmm. and it was only that two years after we got into china it was a chinese student uprising Mm -hmm. i thought why these things following us in Mm -hmm. israel during the passover war i was with gene and mary lois little there during that time but god raised me up there to become the head of the department of english and applied linguistics at the university of the holy land and through hebrew university and it was a wonderful thing because it set the stage for what we're going to see that's going to come this next part before Jesus comes. And we've been broken many times, as you all have been post-COVID, but now we're all going to have to take a leap of faith into what's next. And I see now why he did what he did and had me in China and Israel because of this movement. And we'll talk about this in a minute called Back to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. The Chinese want to finish the work in and through the Muslim nations, and we train these pastors, and now they're going. And it's an amazing phenomenon. They can do things that we can't do in Mm -hmm. those Muslim nations, and they all want to go to Jerusalem and see where Jesus lived. And um, that's where Jesus said it all began there at that at uh, the Jordan River. And that's where Jesus ended his ministry, too, if you'll remember. Yeah. So, Peter, the Lord brought you back to the States a few years ago. You mentioned some of the changes you've seen in the cost of a hamburger and gasoline. What changes are you seeing as you minister? Well, my trip to the United States has been very interesting since I've come here because, like I said, there have been many, many changes, and I've been praying for people, and that wasn't my forte before, but now 
I see that's what I want to do because I'm growing in the Lord and learning so much just by being available. And there's so many broken people in the mm-hmm. States and in these churches. And I've gone during COVID all of this time when so many churches have been closing down and all of these things have changed and they've had to change their platform, but they're so hungry and they're all asking the same question. What are we going to do next? And I said, well, let's pray and find out because I want to know what I'm going to do next too. And rather than praying for people, prophesying over them and giving them the word, I said, what do you need? And I and most invariably say, I need that too. And so we'll join hands. We'll go up to heaven together in these great big long prayer lines and up and move away from other people so there won't be any gawking or unbelief. And by the time the night's over, I'll get through maybe three o'clock in the morning or whatever. But I am more invigorated after that than I am any other time, supposedly resting at home because we find our rest in the ministry. And I thought, what is the Lord doing now? Things have been so different in missions since 911 and COVID. Mm-hmm. The face of missions have changed. Mm-hmm. You know, getting into these nations now like we used to, the surveillance in China won't allow us to do the things that we did before. And that season of missions and the Great Commission, as I've said, is over. I mean, because in every nation, Sharon and I were talking about this, they've already been reached with Jesus. And there's ministers in those countries that can do the rest of the work in their own countries. The idea of the great white hope is over. (laughs) I saw it. And and in um, those unreached areas and other missionaries that went up into some other unreached areas and in North India and um, East Western China and uh, up by Tibet and finished the work. And now these pastors have been trained. They're finishing their work in their own countries. And now they're expectantly looking back to Jerusalem, looking to see what God has as they're watching prophecies unfold around the world. And this is really the changing face of missions. And um, it's hard to go overseas with the lockdowns now, but I just heard yesterday that the United States has lifted the ban on travel restrictions for COVID or those from the outside coming in. Amen. Amen. That's a great thing. And the lockdowns in China continued and it's just locked as tight as a drum for now. But what is the Lord doing during these times? He is pulling things together and regrouping things Mm -hmm. for what we have seen has become Mm -hmm. the great war of Armageddon, Mm. Armageddon, because it's a spiritual war. And we've been trained all of these years to look to see and discern what's right and what's wrong. Jesus said there'll be many deceptions in these last days that will come. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that, you know, people can't discern what is of God and what so much isn't anymore because some of it looks so good. But that's what we have to know in these last days. And we look at Daniel's prophecy of the uh, great image Mm -hmm. and the uh, mix of the clay and the iron. Yeah, tell us about days. that. Well, the rock is comes out by no man's hand and rolls into the legs of this thing, which is uh, clay and steel, which is humanism and uh, political military might. And the things don't mix. And if you read on, I, I said, Sharon, something very interesting today. It's also said the mix of the seed 
Yeah. And there's something right there that you could really consider if you would go into any depth about it, how Satan is trying to rule through men because Mm -hmm. he doesn't have that authority as an angel. That's right. And uh, he'll do that by taking control of men. And uh, in the spiritual realm, it's an androgynous thing. And we're seeing that today is a, a very interesting particular move here in the United States. And we say, why? Well, it's the last day agenda of the devil because mm-hmm. he's going to give his last push on that. And um, the other scripture I wanted to give you here is uh, from Habakkuk because so many people have been asking me on the road, Pete, what are we supposed to do next? And here it is. I'll stand my watch. Mm-hmm. Chapter 2, Habakkuk, verse 1. And I thought, where do you see that in the New Covenant, New Testament? 1 Corinthians seven twenty. Remain in the calling wherein you were called. And he said, I'll set myself on the rampart like a sentinel. We have to watch, and that means stay in the Word and watch to see what he'll say to us. And we can't know unless we're in the Word constantly. And what I will answer when I'm corrected, because this is the leap of faith that we take. Then the Lord answered and said, well, write this vision that I give you. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but in the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come and it will not tarry. I thought, wow, as an English professor, I say that's a contradiction in terms. (laughs) But what it means is when the vision is revealed, it won't tarry for another minute past that. And uh, that is the word for us. It will not. And uh, we will see these things come forth and all the promises that were yes and amen to the glory of God. Amen. Peter, would you please tell us more about how the Lord used you in your 33 years in China? All right. We had... Bible schools, and they were shut down seven times. We had to just move to the next place, to the next place where we trained the pastors. And now the COVID, and I mean, they say, the police are here, Pete, the police are here. We have to be real quiet and soundproof <laughs> rooms. And uh, it was very hard to do, but we made seven moves in China and kept that thing going all the way until COVID. And then the great persecution came over there where the, the uh, underground church is being destroyed. And a lot of them are being destroyed right now these pastors, but we decided to make an eighth move across the border into Thailand, where we started a new uh, ministry. Uh, It's the same thing, training pastors, but where they can come out, it's a safe haven, and they can be trained and sent into the nations as missionaries, because the Chinese in the last 40 years were bringing their own country to the Lord. But now, Mm -hmm. They can't, don't want to stay there. And yeah. so where do they go? Yeah. Uh-huh. They go out and they reach the, the, the other nations. Yeah. And so this is the eighth leap of faith that we're making. Even this summer, my son Samson is trying to get visas to get out. I hope he and his family do. And uh, we have a, a school up in Chiang Mai, and uh, we have orphanage and some other schools on into Burma. And I said to Samson, I said, all these pastors we trained, over the last 12 years, how many of them have gone into the Muslim nations? He said, Dad, there's so many. 
and I can't wait to go and visit them. And I said, well, good luck. Mm -hmm. You can go in there because you're Chinese. You can get yeah. away with it. And she said, he said, that's right. Chinese can go anywhere and be business people in any country. And I said, <laughs> see, so this is your open door. Right. So having an open door to business reminds me of the ancient Silk Road. There were three different Silk Roads uh, coming out of China, going west, and and I suppose they eventually ended up in Jerusalem. I, I remember hearing about the Back to Jerusalem movement, that it even started back in the 1920s. That's when God first gave the vision, and they began moving on it, and then uh, it kind of waned, and then the next generation picked it up in the 1940s, and, and they got uh, quite a ways. They all got to the border of Russia, and just then the communists stopped them, and then the Lord has reignited it in more recent years. What's been your experience with that, Peter? I didn't know what it was until I went there and I saw their zeal for finishing the work. The Chinese believe that they're the last country to hear the gospel in that generation so that they can finish the work through those nations to the east and back to Jerusalem. <laughs> and I would like to say that uh, <laughs> they haven't heard about Jesus, but sad fact is all the Muslims know exactly who Jesus is. And in Israel, somebody said, that's the hardest mission field in the world. It's a hard nut to crack, and it's a religious spirit that says, I know, I know who Jesus is. We believe that he was a blah, blah, blah. And in Israel, sometimes you don't dare mention it, but I did when I was at Hebrew University that last November because I thought, where are the people's hearts here with the international students and the Jews that were there? And they were so hungry for the mm -hmm. truth that I said, no matter how you present it, the truth sets people free. Yes, amen. And when it does, they really are free indeed. And it changes everything in their lives and all around them. And this is what we're going to see in these last days. Ishmael, mm -hmm. he will hear. That's the Muslims. Mm, yeah. And the Jews, they will weep when they see Jesus as the firstborn. They say, who are you? What are those wounds in your arm? And we'll comfort Jerusalem. Yeah. And that's why we're here, because the Lord has trained us over these last five decades it's our turn. It's not the old generation's turn to do this anymore. I wondered where they failed. And I also learned from their failures and their successes. And I took the best of what my father did and learned from his mistakes, too. Because it's our turn now. And we'll stand our watch and we'll set ourselves on the rampart and watch to see what the Lord will say to us and when we're corrected by him. Mm -hmm. We have yeah. to have a teachable spirit. That's yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Amen. It's so important to have that teachable spirit. If you don't have that, if you don't have a teachable spirit, you will not succeed in what God has given you to do. You're yeah. done. You know, we, we have to be ready to listen. It, standing your watch and watching to see what he will say. Mm -hmm. You have to use your eyes to hear <laughs> that's an interesting concept you know i'm going to watch to see what he will say you that's the pronoun i'm going to watch not what you hear other people say that the lord says right get in the word yourself mind the truth of the word and let that be your insatiable drive day after day to just 
day into work. On this trip, it's been like in China. Here in the United States, I would be stuck in a room for five days at a time before I'd move to another place. And all I had was my Bible and some teaching tapes, and I'm writing up curriculum as the Lord is showing me what to do. And on this trip in the United States, these hotel rooms, my wife was with me the first two-thirds of it, and I'm finishing up here for three months. They have been holy holidays. My books are open. I'm writing these things out using a pencil with an eraser because I make <laughs> mistakes too. And uh, it's been wonderful, just wonderful. Now I'm starting to see what he would say is coming next. And I'd like to talk to yeah, you so, about that maybe later. Okay, let's do another episode. I'd like to do another episode if we could. Yeah. I'll tell you about some visions that the Lord gave me in China about these things that I'm talking about in these last days and what's next in missions. Yeah, for sure. But it, whatever we do, whatever our calling is, whatever wherever we find ourselves and hear from the Lord, we have to make sure it fits with the Word of God. That's it. It mm -hmm. has to substantiate itself. Yeah, yeah. It, it, has, it has to be the Word and the Spirit together. You can't have one without the other. Yeah, and yeah. He will show you. Right. Would you pray for our listeners? I would love to. Father, that's why you brought me here, and I thank you so much that we can see corrections here when we are corrected. And Lord, we see what we've done in the last generations and where we've fallen short, you know, And uh, but it's line upon line and we're learning so much. I speak into the lives of those that are listening that there would be change enacted, not just that we would hear information today, but we would look at those things that are powerful and life-changing and how the gospel is just changing everything wherever we go in our own lives first then all around us that would be a canopy of your grace where people are and our families are concerned a cornucopia mm -hmm. horn of plenty that we can meet the needs spiritually and material in every place we go and i pray blessings on everybody that's listening right now and i thank you for their lives and their patience they've had through this time of trial and testing that has come upon the whole earth not just here in the united states but all over the world because we're part of it all in your latter-day plan in the mighty name of our lord jesus christ we all said amen, amen. Man. God bless you. Join us next time. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with His overwhelming, loving presence. Mm -hmm.